From Bregman MD, where we're all about psych solutions, I'm your host, Linda Corley, and this is The Breakdown with Dr. B. With the increase of cyclones, wildfires, hurricanes, you know that global warming is playing a hand. It's causing a tsunami of fear and stress. Dr. B, do you, do you find that your patients are starting to get what I call an apocalypse syndrome or as other doctors are calling it, climate anxiety? Well, you know, Linda, you know, I have patients, you know, that are uh, religious. They especially, those, they get into this apocalypse thing that it started, okay? There's really widespread despair about the future you know, about what's going on. We're not really doing much, you know, about it. I have been seeing anybody can be affected. So I think it's a real issue. So I, this sort of reminds me of a topic we talked about a couple of months ago, the pandemic anxiety. I mean, it's very similar, right? Apocalyptic, worrying about the end of the world, um, incredible, incredible stress. But I'm going to tell you the difference. The difference is pandemics end, as we've seen throughout history. With climate change, you know, if we don't start changing things, many people are thinking, and this is why it's causing incredible stress, that uh, our, our way of life, both economic and, and just the way we live life every day is going to suffer tremendously. So the anxiety just gets out of control for some people. You know, there are patients I have that moms say, you know, I'm not having any kids. Well, what do you mean? You're like, uh, you said you wanted kids before. Oh, no. But they say, oh, I think it's the planet's messed up. Uh, okay. And I'm not bringing my kid into this. Now, I have seen a lot of this more recently. So it's kind of like a little indicator about what you're talking about. Now, you know, one of the things that we brought up in some sessions before was the idea of cognitive dissonance. You know, what, what that means is, you know, people are really torn about this. Oh, they believe that the planet's going downhill, but they have all these gas cars, you know, stuff like that. And I think that's like the cognitive dissonance that we talk about. There's no doubt that um, there's an increase in temperature, okay? Now, what I read and I hear in some of my literature is that has really increased the suicide rate and violence Mm -hmm. in people. And there's been studies about that, you know, that um, I'm, I, you have some cited studies, Linda, the Stanford was a Stanford study that talked about that. Uh, OK. And, you know, so there's a real issue here about what does increase in temperature have to do with increased suicide rate? I mean, I understand. Remember the Miami riots and that happened during a high temperature time. You know, when people don't have air conditioning, when you're sweating, um, when you're hot, there is, you know, the old saying, he got hot under the collar. You know, all those sayings always have a truism to that, right? Here you have, you know, a domino effect. 
people are getting warmer, right? Angrier. Yeah, yeah. Not right. good combo with species dying, food chain, mm, you know, the future might not, it is threatened. J- just a whole host of things that are going in a negative direction. You know, uh, believe it, this is really true, that suicides, one of the leading causes of death globally. I mean, holy cow, that is a major deal, okay? So now, it getting hot increases suicide rate and for many factors, you know, there's a lot of reasons, you know, why it could be increasing the suicide rate. There could be a lot of reasons why the increase in temperature could affect, you know, people's psyche. And I think we need a lot more investigation about that. All this uncertainty that's going on and it's leading to people having fear and despair. Well, you know, you were right. This is a podcast about mental health. And um, if we were scientists, we'd be talking about all of the, the reasons why. And I think we do know the reasons why. But, but I want to swing it back to mental health again. Um, this problem is among people suffering from mental health that, did you know that the Climate Psychiatry Alliance, did you know that it's creating training materials for world health professionals for dealing with their patients that are struggling. They're paralyzed with fear. Let's get into what do you do if you have a patient or I'm listening to this podcast and I am suffering from climate anxiety. What do you tell me to help align my fears? I do have patients who are suffering or things like this. And what I do with those patients is, and I do with other people who have a lot of anxiety, is get more proactive, be empowered some way, or do something, you know, about feeling that you can make a difference. And I know you always have some great suggestions about that. What do you have to say? So I say that everyone, albeit small, find a project that helps the environment. You know, when I'm going through my closet, I will take my things and either give it to my children, Goodwill, you know, a consignment store. I buy my things at high-end consignment stores. This is a way to reuse what we already have here. I'm, I'm a huge fan in recreation to make something that's old new. And therefore, oh. in your own way, you're helping the environment. Linda, I'm, honestly, your suggestion is just right on. Uh, okay. And I think anybody who's listening who just heard what you have, they could start doing that immediately. I think it's a good beginning for all of us. And let us all now become a little enlightened that this is a problem. So, uh, and, and there's a lot of people who are nervous about it. And maybe it could become more of a kind of thing that people talk about because people aren't talking about it enough. No, they aren't. And I just think that panic, panic is never a good thing. So I just think if everybody says we're going to help, I think we can do it. I really do. Just be proactive. I, I like it, Linda. I think a lot of people that are listening and patients, I would tell them the same thing. Right on.
Right on. All right. Well, let's go forward. Let's now talk about something that is positive. I can't think of anything more positive than laughing. Can you? I got my prescription for patients. Okay. You know what I, I, I like to tell them? Laugh 15 minutes a day. Okay. That's your prescription. The next time I see you in a month, tell me you've been able to do this. Okay. Because it works. It's funny. You know how we were talking about scientists? Scientists have been, they've spent years studying laughter. Studies show that a good dose of laughter, now we're going to talk about what good dose means in a minute, but a good dose of laughter has great benefits for your body. And we are, you and I are a big fan of this idea um, that we have talked about this in our Facebook lives and in our podcasts. But let's talk about a good dose, a belly laugh. What, what is a belly laugh? Now, what happens is, and this is physiological, if you have a good belly laugh, your oxygen concentration goes up, your heart rate goes up. It really makes your vessels even more elastic. It, you got to put that like even number one on the list because, you know, we're all trying to exercise and do all this stuff. Laugh. Okay. Hold it. We're going to add that to exercise now, laughing. I came across this article that has some benefits that I was astounded by. Like, for instance, laughter increases your chances of getting pregnant. Were you surprised by that one? No, not at all. Linda, in my practice, I've had in 40 years a lot of people telling me, oh, the women, I can't get pregnant, doc. I can't get pregnant. And you know what I tell them? Take a vacation. Just get away for a weekend. And I want to tell you, I've gotten great results, Linda. Because you go away, you get away from everything. And if you're with somebody you really care about, you laugh a lot and you just get pregnant. It has worked. Well, I'm going to read you from this article. It says, a 2011 study showed women going through in vitro fertilization were 16% more likely to get pregnant when entertained by a clown. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Wait a it's minute. Same thing. Wait a minute. I don't think yeah, that yeah. has to do with laughing. Hey, <laughs> what listen, did the clown you... have to do with this? Oh, come on. <laughs> we know clown. Clowns are made for that. But uh, I, I go for vacation. Uh, okay. I've sent them all on vacation with the husband, and I've gotten great results. They all thank me. I know, but I'm going back to this article. Does that mean he has to be dressed like a clown on the vacation? No, <laughs> you, just, you just do fun things, which people are going to do, younger people on vacation, and get away from everything and have some fun and laugh a lot. Okay. Okay, so here's a new one. Um, you said, you know, helps your heart. Um, it also relieves pain. That's interesting. Oh, but that's easy. Linda, listen, when you laugh, you release endorphins. I mean, why do we, the runners high, you know, we talk about releasing endorphins, why people do it. Laughter does that. In specialized groups, they did some studies of a group that was associated with laughter and they improved so much more than people who didn't laugh or people who were alone and didn't do it in group get in maybe groups and so forth and do some laughter. 
Yeah. And but, for those of us that are nervous about the climate, laugh as well, because it reduces stress, you know, because absolutely. the stress hormone cortisol, it, it gets a bad rap, but it plays an important role in the body. So when you laugh, it's one of the ways you can regulate cortisol. Okay. Now, look, this is a, a little scientific, but we can make it simple. Okay. Every time we have stress, we increase cortisol, which is a good thing. It helps us. But too much cortisol makes us also feel stressed. So what happens is when we laugh, we increase our oxygen amount. Okay. So what happens is it helps in increasing your oxygen consumption, and then it puts everything in motion. So it decreases cortisol to a level so you don't feel real stressed. So it really regulates stress. There's nothing better than a good laugh. Let's try to do it, Linda. Well, I want to just bring up before we leave one last thing that it does. And I noticed this. I have a very funny friend, my friend, Ursi. We laugh when we get together. We laugh so hard. We just laugh and laugh and laugh to the point where our faces hurt. And what I notice when I'm with her, it relaxes my body. It really, I'm just stress-free. I just relax. And actually that's scientific. I got to talk to you about this. Okay. Cause you, you know, everybody knows I love playing golf. Okay. So now I play with a bunch of guys that we laugh all the time. I'm playing the best I ever have. What happens is when you laugh, what it does is it reduces tension in the muscles. So here, every time I'm playing serious, I'm tense. I play terrible. Then I play with my friends. I'm playing great. We're laughing, having a good time. So honestly, Linda, if you could laugh, your muscles relax. All right. Yep. Well, I'm going to let you go so I can go laugh. Okay, let's go laugh. I'm going to watch a funny movie. Okay. All right. We'll have fun and laugh a lot, and we'll talk next week. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. From Bregman, MD, you've been listening to the latest episode of The Breakdown with Dr. B. If you'd like more information or to speak to one of our top psychiatrists, just head to our website at BregmanMD.com to book a telepsychiatry visit from the comfort of your home. Hope you've enjoyed our latest podcast. Catch you next time.